0: Welcome back, everybody, to So Every Soul Sings, Worship for the Real Church. You're here today with two very real people. Mm. I'm Bethany (laughs) Pedigo.
1: Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Rod Ellis. Uh, What a privilege to have you listen to us. Thank you so very, very much. And it is about worship for the real church and hopefully a church that's going to increasingly get real so that there can be less and less argument with our perceived hypocrisy and Mm -hmm. our corporate kind of judgmentalism. And so we want to talk today about a rather astounding 35 or 40 minutes of worship that we got to be um, a part of just in the room. Neither of us um, led that service. We had a guest leader uh, who was here for the Relay Worship Conference named Titus Chapman from Owensboro. And he led in a way that was different from what most of us are used to, which immediately set up an expectation of what might be different because we knew that it was going to be different. But then the Holy Spirit also moved in preparation and in the leading. And we've talked about those dynamics many times in these podcast episodes. And so we just kind of want to unpack some of that and why we think it's helpful for you as a worship ministry member or worship leader or even worshiper in your church to understand some of what we are learning from having experienced those 35 or 40 minutes together. And so much of it really was about being real, being the real church, um, being, um, gosh, vulnerable, um, trusting, all the things that were so beautiful about that. So Bethany, get us going.
0: Yeah. So I've said before that people think being led by the Holy Spirit is entirely encompassed by being spontaneous on stage. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when they hear a recording, for example, if it's a live recording and, and whoever the person is just starts kind of singing something else, Something other than the words of that song, people are like, ooh, they were led by the Holy Spirit. And that was like the spontaneous moment. And it's amazing. And that does happen. It can happen. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's not the Holy Spirit. Uh, That's awesome. However, being led by the Holy Spirit encompasses much more than that. Um, and so, and that's one of the reasons why this worship set was so amazing to me was because of how the spirit led before and during, and even since, honestly, in regards to this worship time. Yeah. So, how uh,
1: did the, you, how did you experience that happening before the worship time? Let's start it, there.
0: So we, as a, as a, leadership team for Relay, we're looking for someone to lead that worship time. Uh, We tend to have local people lead um, this conference. That's important to us. However, local for us really means the Southern Kentucky region. So we reached out to a worship leader in Owensboro whom I had met a few times, and he was actually gathering worship leaders in Owensboro and doing things kind of similar to Worship Kentucky or similar to the One Church movement here, basically having worship nights where everybody on the stage is from a different church, Um, and his name's Titus, and he... He had led at this event called Worship on the Water in Owensboro that I had um, gone up with my kids to be a part of just to attend. And it was amazing. So I I feel like that was the Holy Spirit leading us to invite Mm. him to be a part of worship for this event. Uh, One of the things that was on our hearts regarding Relay this year was to address racial tensions and the the concept of racial reconciliation as part of the conference. And um, we intentionally wanted to have diverse people on our worship teams also. Um, so I believe the Holy spirit was leading us in the preparation of the conference and led us to reach out to him and invite him to come and be a part of the day. Yeah. That's the first thing.
1: And Titus is a person of color leading primarily in a church where there aren't a whole lot of people of color. Is that right? Yes. So he is very comfortable in, um, the more mainstream modern worship movement that is primarily, um, filled with white skinned people, but he also grew up in a tradition where he's very comfortable with the whole Black gospel um, expression and that that is native to him. So he was able to uniquely bring together the skill set of somebody like the two of us and many of you listening, but also somebody who grew up in a very different context. And the hybrid of those two things led to a pretty extraordinary time of familiarity and freedom and the way that he led, which was a part of how we planned the worship. It was also a part of how rehearsal was And Bethany. You were a part of that rehearsal. So what was that like? I think it was between two and a half and three hours long. We should start there. So it was a long time.
0: It was was over three. (laughs) (laughs) It was more than three. Uh, So this is what I loved though. Um, So we had rehearsal the night before the conference and we were there for over three hours We did not do very many songs. So we weren't there because we were rehearsing so many songs. We were there because Titus was aiming for something in the spirit in our rehearsal. So we would get through a song, you know, we, we'd play through the whole song. We, we all got, got the gist of the song and he would say, do it again. And we would try different things. So, there was a particular song where he would have me lead a part and he would lead a part. And then Carly would lead a part. We worked on harmonies. We worked on coming in earlier on harmonies. We worked on singing spontaneously in parts of the songs. And, and by spontaneously,
1: that, hold on a second, because I want to clarify for the listener who wasn't there with um, spontaneously. You, you don't mean like, Um, for example, right now in Bethel worship, so much of their stuff is spontaneous worship. It was a different, it was more about the black tradition kind of spontaneity, right? Like, we're just going to go back and do this again, and I'm going to sing this and you're going to sing it back. So it was the same musical figures that were familiar, but being done spontaneously rather than, uh, like things bubbling up originally in the moment. So that's a, it's a nuance, but I think it's important to understand kind of what the dynamic was. He wasn't trying to get people to make up new stuff as much as he was trying to help people get so thoroughly comfortable with the elements of the song. You deserve it, that you could sing any part of it at any time and you could f- flow with the leadership of the spirit in the moment to do that. Am, am I describing that right?
0: Yes, and, and it is a little bit different, but we, we also did work on some spontaneous singing. That's the other kind as well. Right. Um, and so he wanted to make sure the band was comfortable following him going to different parts of the song. So it was not a preset arrangement of any song. We just had to follow him. Mm-hmm. And, and I just have to say, you need really good musicians to do that. <laughs> Um, You have to have high level of skill in order to feel comfortable just watching somebody who's standing in front of you. And if they say go there, you just you know how to. So I think, again, when we talk about the Holy Spirit leading us, that freedom to be able to do that comes through the boundaries of discipline. And that is something that any worship leader listening to this podcast right now can take and can apply to their own context in their own worship. team.
1: Can you it describe that a little within, more deeply? What, what do you mean by the discipline? Like what, what discipline do you need to work in, in order to get to the place where you have that kind of freedom?
0: So I'm going to start with vocalists because okay. I'm primarily a vocalist. I'm, you know, I, I say that there are like, players or musicians who happen to sing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then there are singers who happen to play Uh, and I'm a singer who happens to play
1: yeah I think you're Uh a beast on the guitar but that's okay carry on
0: (laughs) 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 so as a vocalist if you um well first of all you have to learn the the melody or the harmony whatever you're singing you have to know those parts very well but if you are not comfortable with repeating a verse, and you're just like after the verse we go into the chorus, then you're going to sing the wrong thing, <laughs> right? right? If if the person is like, let's do the first verse again, and you're like, eh, eh, eh. Um, so you need to be extremely comfortable with the notes that you're singing, and when someone is changing things up, it's easy to be confident because you know the structure instead of being confident in your own ability and being confident in the person who's leading you's ability. I don't think that was grammatically right, but the, being confident in the ability of the person who's leading you. Basically, when someone is leading you that way, you have to trust them. Yes. You have to, you have to trust them. And so if you're second guessing everything or, or you don't feel comfortable yourself in your ability, then you're, you're gonna end up doing what, what all the singers do when they don't feel very comfortable. They start moving the microphone away Mm. from their mouth so nobody can hear them because they don't want to make a mistake. (laughs) Um, Secondly, for musicians, again, moving from part to part or even doing the same part but doing it completely differently. For example, in one of the songs we did, he wanted a completely drum break on one part. Mm -hmm. So we had to practice being comfortable with just looking at him and he would just point at the drums and then we were all supposed to stop playing. Right. <laughs> just have the drums on that mm-hmm. part. So um, to do that, you have to um, be able to jump in and jump out musically and be on key or well, play the right note and then yeah. be in the right rhythm. Right. So it, it, it's quite demanding um, musically to play that way. But it, oh, boy, it sure is fun.
1: <laughs> it was fun. <gasps>
0: I yeah. loved it so much. <laughs> I did. Ta-
1: talk a little bit more about trust. You said it's gonna. You have to trust the person who's leading. Um, do you mean that musically, or do you mean that as a leader, or do you mean that spiritually, or are there other dynamics to that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's personal dynamics. There's relational dynamics. Hmm. Uh, so if you, um, you know, unfortunately have a conflict with the person who's leading worship and they're trying to change up a bunch of stuff (laughs) while you're playing, you will be tempted to think this person is setting me up to fail and to look bad in front of everybody. Just probably not true, but that's where that, that accusation comes in. You know, the enemy, um, Jesus said, the devil, he speaks lies as his native tongue. Mm -hmm. And his favorite thing to do is to accuse. And so um, I think people who are on a worship band or people playing on a worship team who are not the leader, that's the, the enemy's favorite thing is to accuse the person leading of not being trustworthy, you know, to lead them and making all sorts of accusations about that person's motivation towards them. And it's the same in any relationship, right? Like in your marriage, like if your spouse says something, you can, you immediately have this accusation. They said that on purpose to hurt your feelings. And that's rarely the case. I mean, it does sometimes happen, I guess, but often it's not, right? (laughs) They, They were just talking. It was just a misunderstanding.
1: Yeah. I think that whole role of accuser is actually a giant thing. And maybe we should do a whole episode on that. I don't know that it has a whole lot to do with worship specifically, but it certainly has to do with walking with Jesus. I I think most of the time I feel accused. It's the enemy winning not the person who I think is accusing me winning. And most of the time I'm doing accusing, it's the other person who feels like the enemy is attacking them and the enemy's dressed like me. And so our enemy really uses that tool dramatically. He is the accuser. And so anytime you feel accused, there's a really good chance that there's a spiritual dynamic at play. And I would just, I just love to unpack that further. But the point of this illustration (laughs) is if that's the dynamic in your team, you can't have that level of trust, which Titus, by the way, was a good singer. He's We didn't really hear him play guitar or piano because we had people at those positions who were doing really well, but he can play those instruments very, very well. But he's mm-hmm. a far better connector with people than he is any of those things mm-hmm. because he's just yeah. so connective and that leads to trust, which means if you're not connecting with your people or if your people aren't connecting with you. That's a place where you can lean into development and say, "Hey, how do I get better at this?" And ask somebody. Uh, there's a great, great book by John Maxwell called "Communic." Uh, I'm going to look it up. Bethany, talk, <laughs> talk for a minute. I'm going to look around my shelf.
0: Yeah, Let's talk so a little we've bit. We've talked about, about we've talked about the onus being on the person who's playing, but also the person who's leading. Like you, also have a responsibility to be consistent as a leader musically and relationally and spiritually so i mean it's not just the people who are a part of the band but it is also on the person leading to Mm -hmm. communicate very clearly when they want to make a change especially if it's different than whatever's on the page or how people normally play it you know people come in sometimes to practice and they they know a song a certain way, right? right. And yes. you, you might have a different arrangement in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so the person who's leading also has a responsibility on them to, to basically earn and keep the trust of the people that they lead by being consistent, by being clear, by being honorable, by being reasonable, um, so that the people who are following them can do so because they trust them.
1: Yeah. And by the way, this is not a commercial for Titus Chapman, but let me just say that he was <laughs> he was extraordinarily affirming. He would anytime anybody in the band did something really well, he would just turn around and say, Oh my gosh, that was so good. And that kind mm-hmm. that that established uh, that reinforced the level of connection um, and trust both directions. And that I just I, I try to do that. I don't think I do it nearly as well as he does. And so I, I just kind of, I went to school by watching him rehearse the group. The book I mentioned by John Maxwell is called "Everyone Communicates, Few Connect," and so it's about communication, but it's actually about the necessary role of connection for effective communication. And if you don't mm-hmm. feel like you're connecting with your team members as the leader or a team member or with your leader. um, Maybe that's a place where you could do some digging in. I, I, yeah, I read the book for a reason because it's not something (laughs) that I have always done well and I want to do better and better and better because people just respond well to people they feel connected to and they respond slowly or poorly to people that they feel disconnected from. And Titus just, just did a brilliant job of connecting with people whom he had never met Right. Until he got there <laughs> didn't know
0: any of us, not really. Yeah. I mean, I've only talked to him, you know, twice on the phone. Right. <laughs> so, and, and otherwise, and, and, nobody and,
1: had ever met him. Um, it was no. yeah, and and it was a it was amazing. <laughs> it was a good band. Yeah.
0: Yes. So all but, of this is before we even had the worship set at the conference the right. next day. So again, the Holy Spirit wants to lead us uh, way before we ever get on the stage during. A worship
1: time. So, yeah. And we didn't talk about it much, but that was also true in the choosing of the songs. Uh, yes. Titus and I corresponded multiple times, tossed titles back and forth. I went back to our leadership team for the conference. Um, he went back and prayed about it. There was a, a spirit led process that landed us on the five songs that were learned Um, to be used in in one way or another as a part of the conference closing worship set. So the Spirit's role in choosing, the Spirit's role in um, preparing individually because everybody came in knowing the songs, and then the Spirit's role in preparing as a gathered group was all very evident and necessary in order for the closing worship set to happen. And if you want to hear about that, you're going to have to come back for the next episode. So we're going to pause here. Hopefully your interest is piqued because there, there were things that happened in, we hosted the conference here at Woodburn. There were things that happened in our sanctuary that Saturday afternoon that have never happened in my time here and may have never happened as a church here that you will want to hear about. And, and it's all about um, chasing the Holy Spirit and being willing to go where the Holy Spirit leads. By the way, none of this was heretical. None of this would any of our deacons or leadership been uncomfortable with. It was just stunningly beautiful and powerful. And so if you want to hear more about that, come back for the next episode of So Every Soul Sings.